Hi, and welcome to That's Myrony Podcast. My name's Alicia, along with my co-host Todd, and we're going to explore what exactly is Myrony. Well, Myrony, or my irony, are those crazy coincidences that happen in life that you just can't explain. It's also another word for sign or synchronicity. We've all experienced these throughout our lives, but what if you started paying closer attention to your Myronies? What if you started connecting the dots, or as we like to say, follow the spiritual breadcrumbs that could have an impact so big it changes your life forever, not to mention the lives of others. Now, that's Myrony. Hi everyone, welcome back to That's Myrony with our host, Alicia Myronic and myself, Todd Courtney. Here with an incredible guest, another of which I have no knowledge, not privy to his background, except uh, about five minutes before the show even started. His name's Daniel, friend of Alicia. It sounds like we're going to have some crazy myronies on this story. Uh, just to give you all a glimpse, he knew Steve Jobs before Apple knew Steve Jobs. And I think enough said right there, uh, because I can't wait to hear a story. I don't even want to dive into the bio because I want to hear it straight from Daniel's mouth to our ears. And I think you'll appreciate that as well. So Alicia, let's get this one rolling. Okay. So yes, I want to introduce Daniel Kotke. So thank you so much for being a part of our fun little podcast, because we have definitely a myronic story of how we connected. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> Uh, if you say so. Uh, well, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to build it up because this is a really funny, it, it was so funny for me because I had absolutely no idea anything about Steve Jobs or Apple. You know, I didn't grow up or I, I haven't lived here for that long, not part of the Silicon Valley world. So what happened was I actually met Daniel five years ago from a, a, a family member and um, we met at a party and I heard he was one of the first employees of Apple. I was like, oh, that's cool. So then last November, I was with my friend Barry who has worked with Apple. He just celebrated his 20th anniversary with Apple. And I said, hey, how did you, you know, when did you start working at Apple? He said, oh, when Steve Jobs came back. So I was like, oh, I always wanted to know more about Steve Jobs because he, um, you know, just, you no, know, it sounds interesting. And I was like, you know, have you ever seen that movie Jobs? And so the next day, I just happened to be um, on a, a work training retreat. I took this job selling high-end closets, creating high-end closets, the weirdest job I've ever done. Closets? I, closets, uh, yeah. Closet I organizers? designed closets. Yeah. I actually need one of those, so that's okay. Well, I don't do that anymore, thank <laughs> God. But you're, you're the closet queen. Became the closet queen. I truly believe for this to happen, it was for me to, uh, my, my friend actually lived in the town of Hayward where I was training, but I believe it was so that this story, this myronic story would come out. So what happened was the next day, I happened to turn on HBO, hadn't turned on the TV the entire time I was there. It was like one o'clock in the morning. What movie's on? Jobs. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. You know, when you talk about manifesting, I was like, I manifested that fast. So 
you know, here's the thing. It's really late. I got to get up early. Do I, you know, the, <laughs> satisfy the curiosity from Curiosity Killed the Cat and watch this movie? Or go to bed and, you know, not be ridiculously tired? Right. Well, of course, got to satisfy the curiosity. So I watch this movie and I'm like, oh, this is so interesting. So then I went with the same friend, my friend Barry, to another. Actually, we interviewed Ernest. Um, he, yeah. Yep, Ernest so, White. Ernest White. Oh, you know our, oh, wow. Yeah, Ernest White okay. second. I'm going to start connecting these dots. Yeah, no, this is crazy. <laughs> so then we went to, it wasn't even, it, it, was, it was a screening of his first, um, the, the pilot of his PBS show. And what, Daniel, was there like, there wasn't even 30 people there. It was a small group of 15 people. 15 people. 15? Ah. Oh, yeah. 20. Okay, we'll give 20. In this house in Redwood City. And all of a sudden, I see Daniel. I'm like, oh, my God. Now, at this point, I was hoping to start the podcast. So I tell Daniel, I was like, I have created a word. Call it myrony. I was like, this is crazy. I now, say, wait a minute. Now, you, you, you didn't meet Daniel there for the first time. No, we met five years before. Ah, okay. I missed that part. At a, 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 one of my family members' events. Okay. And okay. all I knew about Daniel was that he was one of Apple's first employees. Okay, so you chatted with him then. So Got a little rapport going. Just, you know, we became Facebook friends, you know, that sort of thing. Is this back east? No, no, here? no. This was okay. here. This okay. was here. So when we met, when we reconnected, in December of this past year, um, I was like, this is crazy. I was like, you want to get together and, you know, talk? Because this is really, like, what are the odds, you know? <laughs> right. So I actually want to play this little video because I never take videos. But this is what happened literally before I met Daniel at the pizza shop. What was the pizza place that you guys would always go to for Apple? Cicero's. Cicero's. Oh, Cicero's. I know Cicero's. Okay, so he's like, oh, let's go to this pizza place in San Jose. We used to go there with Apple for Apple all the time and let him explain. But oh, this is funny. what happened. So let's see if this will play loud enough, but it should. Maybe. So I never post videos. However, this is crazy. I'm about to meet someone that I met. Um, few years back and we ran into each other randomly and I've had this weird feeling that you know he and I are supposed to talk further and I swear the signs that have just shown up are literally crazy my number of 222 appeared in front of me after I had just gotten gas and then I was on the highway and I see AXN JXN Action Jackson I don't know what's up with Jackson, but it keeps showing up. And then I pulled into the wrong parking lot, one parking lot over, and I saw 4222. So 422 and 222 all in the same thing. So I'm going to bet that this meeting with this person is going to be awesome. And uh, I can't wait to see what transpires from this. Hashtag that's my Renee. <laughs> so we go into... It's funny you kept that. Well, I and don't. By the way, that was, you know, you didn't know you were going to use it on a, on a podcast show. No, I so, had no idea. I just right. knew to record it because I was like, this <laughs> is crazy as to what just, what I just witnessed as I'm driving to meet Daniel. 
So then Daniel and I, you know, we're talking and, and he says how he, um, you know, went to school with, because I was like, how did you know Steve Jobs? And he's like, I went to school with Steve Jobs. And, and then he's like, we, I went to um, uh, India. And only because I watched this movie did I have any reference. And I don't know if you remember what I said, Daniel, but at one point I was like, oh, oh my God, you're the friend he screwed over in Apple. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh. <laughs> and that was, I was like, only because I had watched that movie. So now we're going to have Daniel explain the incredible story of how he was one of, he was the one that introduced Steve, actually, in a way to spirituality. This is going to be good. Yeah. Now I'm getting really excited about this. And show. just his his experience, and yeah. So I just. So let's go back. Let's drill down a little deeper. Then uh, I just have to make a comment before we go <laughs> farther. I'm sitting at my desk. There's a zillion pieces of paper like all around me. What are the odds that if I look in the right direction, I'm going to see the number 222? <laughs> the odds are pretty good, right? <laughs> I haven't found it yet, but I bet it's here somewhere. <laughs> I'll let you know when I find it. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I do find it funny that in your bio, you said that you worked on the Apple 128. And if anybody's listened to the podcast so far, 128, 821 has been this very important number, but 128 has also been very important. So to see that connection, I was like, oh, that's funny. Well, it happens to be a power of two. It's a, it's a number that you'll see everywhere. So 128? Yeah. Now, 127, that's a rare number. <laughs> it was okay. the Mac 128. The Mac oh, Mac 128. That was the very first Macintosh. It only had 128K of RAM. Oh. Wow. So it wasn't that So, okay, so going back. So you met Steve Jobs in college. And... Same classes, same major. What was it? Or just... Same fraternity? Oh, he was in the same dorm as another friend of mine. Okay. You know how college is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We used to wander around. <laughs> Where's the party? <laughs> so lead us through. Lead, lead us through the path from there to uh, in, in your path, not his path, but your path as it intertwines uh, with his path. Well, the main, I met Steve very early in the freshman year, like in the first three weeks or so. Um, but uh, the particular reason why we became friends is because also within that first month, I stumbled across this book, Be Here Now, in the Reed College bookstore. And I had never seen a book like that. And it was only $3, which was in my budget. So I wasn't really buying books not really in the habit of buying books, but um, I, so I bought that book so that I could read it. And then it was a fascinating book and you'd have to know more about it. About but, being present? Well, it was a book about spirituality. Okay. In particular, Ram Dass. Ram Dass, yeah. Who is famous as Tim Leary's cohort in the psychedelic um, yeah. cultural wave. Anyway, uh, I hadn't, 
I was always an avid reader, but I had never been exposed to spiritual literature. Amazingly, I grew up in a suburban town outside New York City, but just never, I was, I was a big science fiction writer, reader. Anyway. Where did you, where did you grow up I mean, outside New York City? In Pelham. Oh, okay. But it makes sense. I mean, I think that's pretty normal for most early 20-somethings, late teens, going to college. I mean, unless it was pushed upon them uh, yeah. in the household they grew up in, uh, I don't know that the majority are. So I think I mean, that's fairly normal. It's actually why we go to college. It's right. that's why right. the liberal arts education is not something to throw away. Right, right. Anyway, I think you actually were attracted uh, to that book is to me is kind of cool that you found it so early because I did not find it. Yeah, yeah. So in, um, in the first Jobs movie, there's a scene on the Reed College campus where the character who plays me is walking around carrying that book. <laughs> and uh, that was actually the true thing. And I was, a script, I was a script consultant for the screenplay. So anyway, that was the true thing. I was walking around carrying that book because I wanted to talk about it with anyone else who wanted to talk about it. And Steve was the guy oh, who was interested. Really? Uh, more so than the other people I knew. And that was the beginning, beginning of our friendship. And then uh, you can read that book in one day. It's just, it, it brings up many interesting topics. And it's called Be Here Now? Yeah. Be Here Now, okay. Who's the about, author? Uh, Ram Dass. Oh, it was Ram Dass. Okay. But the book came out of the teaching of Neem Karoli Baba, also known as Maharaji in India. That's his guru, isn't it? Wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Anyway, um, and so then I was going around asking people, all right, what should I read next? And Autobiography of a Yogi came up. Uh, I took, that was a longer read, but that was a fascinating book. And, uh, and that, and so my friendship with Steve developed over that year, uh, during the course of many books that we, uh, read and shared. That's cool. So. I know. Isn't that cool? Yeah. No, it really is cool. It really is cool because That's I only, I only found Ram Dass recently in life and when you when you find this knowledge whatever time frame you are in your life i think you i i, I want i don't want to speak for everybody but i think i almost can you wish you found it earlier <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> right make life a lot easier <laughs> yeah yeah i mean we all have to go through what we got to go through but Gosh, it'd be nice if we found it earlier. <laughs> so maybe that's what we can do is actually help the younger generation find this earlier. Yeah, that they don't have to struggle, you know. I mean, it'd yeah. be nice to have a little bit of guidance, right? <laughs> yes, how fortunate to be a reincarnating Tibetan Lama and to know that when you're four years old that you are a wise elder in your past life. <laughs> right, right. It simplifies things. <laughs> I wasn't so fortunate. <laughs> I definitely wasn't. <laughs> so, I never, I don't know. It's so very fashionable now. Yeah, nowadays. Right. right. It's like, oh, tell me about your past lives. <laughs> right? right. So you're diving into this. Are you both diving into it about at the, at the same speed uh, together? Are you researching yeah, yeah, stuff? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Okay. Anybody else joining your group or is it a band of two? 
No, it was just a pretty much a band of two. Okay. Um, Reed College is a rigorous. They ha Reed is famous for having huge reading lists. So, okay. um, um, there was no. Sh I mean, there was always too much homework to be done. But really, all this um, spirituality stuff was way more interesting to me. Uh, now, let's see. Did Reed have comparative religion? Not really. Reed had a lot of literature courses, a lot of political science, no, no computer science to speak of. Really? Um, anyway, so that was my friendship with Steve is uh, all this uh, Hindu spirituality stuff. And when, uh, for those who don't know, where is Reed College? In Portland. Maine? Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ended up at Reed because um, I was slow getting my college applications done. I wanted to go to Berkeley, but I missed the deadline. And, um, um, and dot connection number one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> seemingly, seeming, seemingly accidents or 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 whatever you want to call them are putting people together for the right reasons. I never heard how Steve ended up at Reed. Ah. But the really interesting story about that is uh, Steve landed at Reed. The tuition back then was like $8,000 a year, which was a lot. Yeah. Relatively. Mm -hmm. I had a National Merit Scholarship, so it wasn't, money wasn't an issue for me. But uh, Steve famously... Um, about two weeks into the semester, he withdrew. He went oh, to the really? registrar and said, can I have my money back? <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah, I do remember that. Where's he, he from? Where, where was he from originally? Cupertino. Oh, he was. He was a local guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And the way he put it was, um, uh, you know, he had borrowed the money from his parents for his tuition or well the way he put it was no he was taking his parents money and he wasn't sure that it was a good investment or something i don't even know but and i didn't know him that well to really ask at the yeah. time in retrospect it was a very unusual thing to do sure uh you know i valued my college I don't know, it just never, ever would have occurred to me. But all these years later, in retrospect, when Steve was a senior in high school, he was doing the Blue Box project. Blue Boxes were the um, phone hacking boxes. Oh, okay. He and Wa so Waz was four years older, but Jobs and Waz had a startup business making and selling blue boxes when Steve was still in high school. Oh, so Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs, they were, they knew each other before college. Yeah. They, they knew in each high other school. from high, high school. school. Okay, yeah. so they were high school friends. Okay, I didn't know that. Uh, you said a four-year four year difference. Did you say a four yes, years? Yes, I know. Friends? That's right. You would normally wouldn't be friends with someone four right. years old. I mean, unless you're a next door neighbor or down the street or a brother's sibling or yeah. friend or something. Yeah, were they really? They must have been really close in that way, or no, they weren't. No, they the story weren't. was that Bill Bill Fernandez, 
was in the same grade as Steve Jobs, in the same class, class of 72. And Bill Fernandez happened to know a brother. Uh, he, Bill Fernandez had another friend who had an older brother who was friends of Waz. So there actually was a friend of a friend family okay. connection. And Waz is a very unique person. Every bit is creative and unique as Steve Jobs. And um, Bill Fernandez introduced Waz and Jobs. Oh, okay. In about 1971, probably this, anyway. But then it was the, um, there was the story in Esquire magazine about the little blue box, about the phone freaking movement. It was kind of a movement, underground movement. Anyway, that was the project that brought them together. Hmm. Oh, interesting. I know, isn't it? It's so yeah. interesting. Every time I talk to Daniel, that's why I was like, can you do our podcast? <laughs> yeah. So it kind of makes sense maybe that he was, Steve was more, or Jobs, I'll say, because there's two of them, but uh, more intrigued by that. So he's going to school and you know how lower division classes are, probably a read just like every other. You're taking all these mundane classes you would really have no interest in. And his mind is probably going 100 miles an hour. He's probably already projecting things in his head of what he wants to create. And he probably feels like the college, of, regardless of where he might have ended, if it wasn't Reed, it's probably holding him back. Yeah. Uh, I'm just speculating, but it, it, it makes sense. Well, and as there was no computer science right. at the school. And that's like the passion. Yeah. Anyway, I just bring this up. I mean, the point of this anecdote is that Steve clearly had a sense at the time that he was going to be an entrepreneur. He already uh, knew that. He knew he didn't need a college degree. Now, he didn't know that Bill Gates was doing the exact same thing, dropping out of Harvard as an undergraduate to start a company. Wow. Right? That, right. How would that you? Later. Right? Yeah. How would you? <laughs> Uh, and meanwhile, Waz had already dropped out, but he was back. He, he went to the University of Colorado and dropped out and then came back to the Bay Area. And then he was a student at Berkeley when, um, in 1971. Wow. And, um, but then he dropped out of Berkeley mm. and just went to work at Hewlett Packard uh in fact there's an interesting story i've got to ask was how did he get to be an engineer at hewlett packard without an engineering degree because normally wow. normally you had to have a degree to <laughs> right be doing right that kind of work especially back then today as much they don't seem to care as much but back then yeah definitely right hmm. i guess you gotta yeah, sell that's yourself. a very relevant uh it's a relevant theme for me because i uh, I'm a quick learner and I was super good at math, but I was never exposed to electronics in high school. And uh, so when Steve Jobs was building this Apple One, it was interesting, but I had no frame of reference. I, I didn't know how it worked. I didn't know how chips worked. And that's a long learning process. Sure. So I started you know, getting paid an hour by Steve Jobs. Apple once because I didn't really know much, but I could learn. He taught me how to test the board, and that's what I would do. I would test the boards. Oh. 
Now, was this way? This was post college then. So you had already finished Reed then, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then. Well, I graduated from Columbia. Oh, you did. I got a degree in music and literature. Oh. oh. Columbia. Okay. So then, and who drew you anyway, back? I wasn't, but nobody told me. So back in those days, there was no human resources department. Companies had a payroll. They had a payroll person, but there was nobody talking to you about your benefits and your career and all that kind of stuff. And so nobody ever even told me that uh, hourly employees are not eligible for stock options. Okay, when you hire on at a company, an engineer, if you're an engineer with, an, with a degree, there's a discussion about a stock option. Okay. Usually, commonly, but that discussion never happens if you're an hourly employee, and that's uh -huh. what I was. So I never even knew that I was not on a good path. Wow. Wow. And, and how and long? That was the big, how long? That? Were you, how long were you uh, there uh, hourly? What was the duration? Uh, for three years. Oh. I was I, it was a very hard time for me because I'm a I have a good mind for engineering. I knew I would be a good engineer, but I didn't have time to leave Apple and go to college. And I was taking night classes. I took Berkeley Extension classes. I took Stanford Honors Co-op classes. But oh, wow. there wasn't even a program at App. You know, nowadays companies will pay your tuition. You can work on a degree while you're an employee, but that didn't. That wasn't in those days. Right. So anyway, um, the Apple IPO, fastest IPO in corporate history at the time, that was in November of 1980. So only two, three years, wow. right? The company had only been in existence three years. I still didn't have a degree and didn't have a stock option and had no reason to expect that I would ever get one. But I was the first employee, and so it was a difficult situation. So you're, it was difficult. You were talked. You were employee number one. Well, I was the first employee. Uh, I was a part-time okay. first employee, part-time. Okay. Bill Fernandez was the first full-time employee. Oh. Now Bill was in the same boat. Bill had no engineering degree. He was a lot more technical than I was, but he was the um, engineering technician in the engineering department. Wow. And um, when he found out he wasn't eligible for an option, he left. Uh. He left and went to Japan to study Aikido and teach English. And I was just on a two-hour Zoom call with Bill two days ago. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Well, what's really interesting wow. is Daniel also went with Steve Jobs to India. Like, Daniel really opened Steve Jobs up to the spiritual world. I mean, because you were telling me, Daniel, hit Steve Jobs' guru, or who was? Maharishi. No, there was the- Oh, that was Ram Dass. Well, Steve, uh, okay, so we went to India in 74. In seven, um, uh, in the early 70s, maybe 1972, um, Suzuki Roshi opened the Zendo in Los Altos. So there was a Zendo in a converted garage in Los Altos. 
and um, and the Zen Center had just started in San Francisco, and Steve and so Los Altos was next door to Cupertino. So Steve discovered this Zendo where you could go and have Zen meditation. Um, I'm not sure exactly what year, but Coben Chino was the Roshi who led the. He was like the Roshi is the teacher of a Zendo. Okay, like the pastor of a church. And uh, so Steve really latched on to Coben Chino as a mentor. That's who you're referring to. Oh, okay. And then, and then what's also interesting, so Daniel, besides being, you know, the first part-time employee, he was the one, you know, to be working in the garage, you know, building. Uh. And like how that all came about. Like, it's just, it's just so fascinating because, you know, yeah. It's like how many people were how many people were working at that time in the garage? No one. <laughs> well, pizza, beer, and three the guys. Fun, the funny uh, anecdote is what I—I I mean, I, I didn't. It took me a while to remember this, but if I think back to that summer when we were building the Apple Ones in the garage. The vast majority of time, there was nobody in the garage but me. Steve Jobs was always in the kitchen on the phone. The telephone was in the kitchen. So, and there was a long extension cord, but, <laughs> but his office was the kitchen. His parents were gone at work all day, every day. So I would be, I was in the garage building the boards and testing them and Steve would be on the phone. And then often Steve would leave to do different things, have meetings, and leave me behind. So then I was working in the garage by myself, and I'd have to run into the kitchen when the phone rang to answer the phone. Which I'm assuming the kitchen is called your marketing department. You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and for those of you who are too young to remember, that's when the phones were mounted to the kitchen wall, were typically <laughs> yes. green in color. And if you yes, had a long- avocado. Yeah, yeah, avocado, exactly. And if you had a long cord, it was the cord that went from the phone machine itself to the handset, and that you can make right. those, well, not as long as you wanted, but they were curly cue, and so they stretched, in some cases, like 15 feet. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so in retrospect, so, uh, you know, as our historical marker, 1975, January of 75 is when the Altair was the cover story of popular electronics magazine. That's what started the whole uh, revolution of personal computers, the Altair. Wow. And um, when Bill Gates saw that story, he gets together with his buddy Paul Allen and goes, something's happening. We got to get on this right now. Right. And so they, they like, like within months, Paul Allen got on a plane and flew to Albuquerque and pitched the Altair company, Ed Roberts, uh, on having a basic program for the Altair. And that's what started Microsoft. Oh, wow. And meanwhile, the similar thing in Cupertino was, was right after, so January of 75, that was the Altair. Within uh, just a couple months was the Homebrew Computer Club founded of all the hobbyists here in Silicon Valley who wanted to build their own computers. And that was the birth of the Apple One because 
everybody was building hobby computers, kind of like people building cars in the 1890s. Everybody was like making a contraption, right? And it was hard to know who was going to last. But anyway, so the Apple One was very much a project that Woz did in the spirit of the Homebrew Computer Club to have something to show off at meetings. Like, here's my project. It's cool. Right? Wow. That's that funny. Birth of Apple. That's funny. My, my, uh, it reminds me of a story. My brother-in-law, who's, who's a dentist here locally, he uh, uh, grew up here and he had a friend at Bellarmine uh, High School, college prep in San Jose, was going to introduce him to, it was either Waz or Jobs, one of the two, very early on and say, you got it, you got to meet these, you got to get in, you got to, you got to work for this company. And of course he blew it off to be a dentist and so forth, to his regret, as he says, you know, jokingly. But it is funny because when you're local, there are people who know people. Well, apparently it's my uncle, his name is Donald Moronic, and he, he was apparently asked to be part of this garage oh, really? project. Yeah, I, I, the, my cousin was telling me that. And so he, I mean, my uncle was this, he was this brilliant engineer, but. He was uh, on faculty at San Jose State. Yeah. Yeah, that was my yeah. uncle. So, you know, there were th actually three early Apple employees from Bellarmine. Oh. Oh, wow. Uh, Randy Wigington was the first of the three. And Randy met Waz at the Homebrew Computer Club. And Randy was a very early employee. Like, I don't know what employee number he was, but. Yeah, because it's probably uh, around he that. He was in high school. Randy was in high school at the time. He was one of the other ones that didn't have a degree, so he wasn't an engineer, and he didn't get a stock option. Yeah, and that's and you're right because the timing's about right. Because I think my brother-in-law graduated Bell around '77, so you figure he's there between '73 and '77. So it was somewhere there, yeah, where he had that opportunity. It just wasn't, but you know how it is. It's if it's not in your DNA, if you're not a computer guy, have no interest in it. It's just kind of a cool story to to think, gosh, what if, what if? Well, yeah, that's apparently what happened. My uncle, he, I mean, he went to Queen's University in Canada, but when he came came here, but that was the yeah. that was the story that he was like, well, yeah, that would have made things different. <laughs> <laughs> the claim to potential fame. Right, exactly. But you know, it's really funny, Daniel, as I've connected with, so um, I know that when Jobs and Waz were like trying to, like they were going to different law firms, right? Um, and there was one in particular in the movie that turned turned him down. Um, I actually know one of the lawyers now, Jack Russo. Do you know Jack Russo? I know Jack Russo. Yeah. So you want to hear something even funnier? Small world. Yeah, he's now he's now one of the partners of That's My Irony. <laughs> oh, really? Well, say and hi to him for me. I will. <laughs> I will. Office. I live two blocks from his office. Oh I God. was just at his office the other week and um, that it, it, he, he's just amazing, but he was, I'm going to be, we're going to be interviewing him, but him telling the story about how his law firm turned down. It's a really funny story, but I was like, oh, what cool. the heck is up with Apple that all these people <laughs> just keep showing up? Like, I have no idea, but it's just so incredible. And it's just, such a keep showing up in your life. Okay. Keep showing up in my life so yeah. we can bring these stories out because you know, what are the odds? But um, it's, uh, it's just mm. like to be part of that era must have just been so incredible 
But then to also to have gotten shafted the way that you did as one of your friends, you were saying that when that happened, your relationship did, did he even really, I mean, how did he even respond to that? I mean, like, I understand business is business, but come on, yeah, you know, I, I, like, I, how I, could you well, have the consciousness? The word I would, we use now is ghosted. Steve kind of ghosted me. Uh, and uh, hmm. we were living to, we were sharing the same house for the first two years, but uh, the whole second year, Steve had a girlfriend and he was always at his girlfriend's house. Wow. So I didn't see him much. So when did you find out? Was it just, pri uh, just prior to the IPO or was it a year in when you found out well, you didn't get any options? Oh, I knew I didn't. I knew I Oh, you did. I mean, oh, okay. I thought you meant there was no HR department, so nobody was telling well, you this. No, but but going back to a year before the IPO, I kept asking my manager, "How do I get to be an engineer?" Ah, because you're the best right. I can take. That's right. And and no, you had to have a degree. Like, but neither was nor Jobs had a degree, and I kind of identified with Steve Jobs at least. Wow, they didn't have. Yeah. Oh, geez, that's crazy. No. How am I going to call it? No, I'm, I'm, it might be a case, too, where the legal eagles kind of are doing their thing, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, Jobs could obviously have, have waved the magic wand. Yeah. But, but how many, how many so-called uh, hourly employees, not so-called, but how many hourly employees were there at, at that time, just pre-IPO? Just got a curiosity. Well, or, or percentage, percentage really, of, of hourly versus. Uh, well, let me put it this way. Uh, secretaries weren't getting stock options. We're not. Now, that's a gray zone because if you're a, a secretary, you're usually not hourly. Right. Right. You're usually on a salary. Right. Technicians, um, we often had to work overtime. Yeah. Right. It wasn't yeah. just nine to five. If you're a technician in a factory, maybe you could be on a salary or not. I don't know. Right. I mean, it's a gray zone, but yeah. But the point of the story is there was no human resources person who could explain these things to me. And right. really, it kind of fell to Steve. He was my buddy. And he just wasn't interested in talking about it at all. Never. That was you very hard for me. You bring it up and he just blows yeah. it off or I'll talk to you later. Let's do it later. Let's do it. Yeah. Later. It was like, I'll talk to you. You know, he wouldn't even, no, he just wouldn't. Yeah. Kick your hand down the road. Interesting. Not, Steve was a smart enough person. He would change the subject so fast. He wouldn't even get to answer, ask a question. Uh, so I did you say know. to Daniel in a joking manner. So maybe in your past life, you really screwed Steve Jobs. <laughs> oh, well, uh, <laughs> I'm open to that idea. <laughs> Because <laughs> I mean to have that happen as one of your friends, I guess I can't even I can't even imagine how you could live with yourself to be like from the beginning. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. care what. Just because at that point you know there's so much to go around, there is absolutely no need for greed. There never really is. So you don't even want to justify greed, but especially in that situation. Yeah. There's absolutely no scarcity issue. But I heard so. Steve Wozniak. I mean, he he was the one that kind of stepped in and, you know, didn't just let people or didn't let you be shafted or let, I mean, that's what I heard, but I don't know. Is that... Did you get that on the movie at 2 a.m. on HBO? No, I heard that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that from someone Oh, else. so the story is that uh, 
1982, uh, I got a letter from Waz's lawyer saying, Waz is generously offering to give you this gift. No, it was 1981. So the public offering was 1980. Um, Waz had decided to give some stock. There was a half dozen of us who were not degreed engineers. Bill Fernandez, well, Bill Fernandez wasn't on the scene. He came back to Apple later, but Randy and Chris, there were a number, there were half a dozen of us. Waz gave us all modest gifts, but then he had his famous plane crash and he had amnesia and uh, didn't even know if it was going to be brain damage. Oh, and God. so all of his affairs went into limbo. And so those gifts didn't, uh, didn't even know if they would ever happen, but they did happen in 1985. Meanwhile, I had already left Apple. So at the time I left Apple at the end of 84, I still didn't have any asset to speak of. Oh, wow. So nothing to vest. So when did, did they materialize? Uh, was it a true gift from Waz or because it you was, left? It was a true gift and, um, I can't even remember. It was on the order of $100,000 at the okay. time, okay. which is very generous, but sure. not twice the annual salary that people were making. It wasn't like a huge wealth event. Right, right. But it was, a, it was, it was just fine. Oh. So where did my you, life completely. Where did, you anyway. your, where did you take yourself from there as you fast forward in life? Now you, 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 uh, meet, well, you meet Alicia and things like that. <laughs> I went on, so at that point I was 30. And I, so I had worked on the Macintosh for three full years. And that's kind of a burnout. So I just needed a break. And what I did is I went on a leave of absence from Apple and I got my backpack and I backpacked around Europe for three months. Wow. Great experience, wow. highly recommended. I took the European tour. I discovered I loved castles, traveled all over, <laughs> castles and cathedrals. I loved architecture. I had considered going to architecture school earlier. Well, you're quite the artist. I mean, I know a musician and, you know, like that side. Um, you, uh, you're very talented on, you know, it's what the left and right brain when you can have talent on both those sides is really... Uh, not a lot of people have that. Not me. I know that. <laughs> I'm a stick figure drawer. Anyway, I know that. What happened in the next years is, um, so when we built the Macintosh, we used what's called programmable array logic, PAL, which uh, it's a whole. It was a whole new generation of chips that were um, logic family functions, but programmable. And so I was very familiar with how to design things using PALS. So I got consulting work immediately. As soon as I came back from Europe in 1985, I had no incentive to go get a full-time job because I could make good money as a consultant doing designs for people. And I did that for the next 10 years. Oh, wow. And there were a number of startups. You know, I, I, I said in my little bio, I was involved in, a dozen startups yeah. between 1985 and 1990. 
So for 10 years, you did consulting work with multiple startups. And where, where did that lead you? What path? Oh, uh, it didn't lead to wealth. <laughs> <laughs> but did it, did you, let's go, let's go back real quick. Okay, that's a great point. So were you still on the path of spirituality uh, from that one book that you found at Reed? Were you still maintaining that or were you too busy? Too busy. Too busy. Okay. Um, I mean, I was seriously considering whether I should go get an engineering degree but then I thought, no, I know too much already. I know enough to build. I could, I could design, you know, by the time I left Apple, I could design anything I wanted. Yeah. So there was no point to go back to school. But so I was a consulting engineer, <clears throat> but hardware, not software. Mm. So by the end of the 80s, half, the, half of my friends were all doing uh, hypercard stacks, right? Well, the web didn't exist yet, but HyperCard was very exciting. <laughs> and uh, then in the early 90s, that turned into web page design. So I was never doing that because I was always doing hardware. Right, right. Nothing to do with software side. Meanwhile, in 1986, I hooked up with a group of five people who were going in jointly to buy a 10-bedroom house. Oh. So... Um, and at the time I didn't have a salaried income. I was had five of us. One was a lawyer. One was a realtor. Two of us were computer scientists. One was a housewife with alimony. <laughs> and the five of us bought the mayor's house. The, the, uh, we bought the Mitchell house in Palo Alto, which was a 10 bedroom house. Wow. And that went very well. And that's, that got me started in real estate. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Uh, was yeah. it an investment for everybody uh, as well as what were, were the five of you living together as well? Or was it a rental? What did you guys do there? Well, we all lived there. You did. Um, like I said, there was 10 bedrooms. Yeah. That's so a huge we, house. <laughs> what I did is I computed the square footage of all the rooms. So you were figuring out the square footage because you're the math guy with this liberal arts degree. <laughs> uh, that's right. Anyway, that was a good experience. And so, um, well, in my life, the next thing that happened was my girlfriend got pregnant. And it was a happy moment. My son was born, 1990. But then she was leaving me from the get-go. Oh. And uh, um, that was even, that was a very difficult period. I, so I ended up, because I got no visitation rights. She moved oh. away. Oh my she moved God. moved away and took the baby away. Oh, wow. And I became a father's rights activist, which I don't recommend. <laughs> Tough road, you mean? Well, the family law was in a turmoil over feminism. Yeah. I mean, and so the father's rights activists couldn't compete with the feminists. Yeah. And I consider myself a feminist. Yeah, just probably too early. Wow, your higher self chose a hard road for you. <laughs> yeah. And let, uh, that's a good point. Let's, let's fast forward to now. Would, and I asked this question to a, to a gal the other day we were, uh, we had on the show. 
Would you change anything that has happened that put you where you are exactly right now? Hell yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good answer. I do actually. too. I, I do too. I do too. Because if he said no, you know, uh, I'd be like, well, I mean, missing that Apple IPO. That's pretty hard yeah, pill yeah. to swallow. So I just, just I'm just curious. Yeah. But you never well, know. Who knows what the future holds? I don't know. I, I did not, uh, I, I didn't come from an entrepreneurial background the way Waz and Jobs did. Okay, so they were exposed to startup company culture from junior high school. Right? Uh, okay, okay. Was built a damn computer in junior high for the junior high science fair. He built and designed his own simple computer. Wow. Same with jobs. But anyway, um, so uh, kind of missing the wealth train at Apple, that was not a tragedy for me. I mean, it was difficult, but I, I had no aspiration to become wealthy. Mm. Uh, but I definitely had an aspiration to be a good parent. Yeah. And yeah. To, have my, to, to have my son taken away to uh, uh, New Mexico. It was a move away case. Oh, wow. And, and because the mother lied and said I was violent, Oh my God. I don't think that do. was her idea. I think it's what the lawyers do. I think that came directly from the lawyers because it was completely untrue. As a result, I got no visitation rights and that oh. just really crushed me. Crushed oh, me. Yeah. So sorry. Yeah, that's... And so now it's 28 years later. I'm, I, I'm finally getting over it really. Sure. But so what, what it did for me is I, I was a father's rights activist and that wasn't going so well. And I really didn't even want to live in this country anymore. I thought if I can't be the father to my own child, what's life all about? Sure. Right? Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. That's tough. And then I found, I didn't know what to do. And uh, I found out that there was a family law night school course at the local law school. Hmm. And it was cheap, summer school. And so I took that and I thought, well, this feels empowering to me. Hmm. Learning, studying law, because it was a civil rights topic, right? It's yep. a civil rights. Family law is civil rights. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up getting a law degree. So I spent the 90s in law school uh, and I got a, my law degree in 98. Thought I might go into patent law, but law school was very empowering for me in the sense, well, that's why... Our law schools are filled with people who are civil justice, social justice warriors is the term we use, right? Right. <laughs> Go to, right? We like those um, kind. It's some of the other ones we could do without. <laughs> right. Right. Wow. So you've gone down many different paths. And now where you are, um, you said real estate is one of, one of your passions still. Whatever happened to the so, ten bedroom mansion? <laughs> uh, the, the lawyer out of the five partners. I said one of them was the lawyer. Uh -huh. Right. He drove us all away. Oh no! Really? So he's now the sole owner of the house. Oh. Uh, he caused me a lot of grief. Um, wow. But um, uh, it and. I wish him the best. 
<laughs> got me started in real estate anyway. So, you know, I, I like a group of shared housing is coming back out of necessity. Yeah. Absolutely. Renting rooms in their houses. And so uh, I'm a big advocate for shared housing. And that's so anyway, I'm like five years down the road into trying to have a smart home startup aimed at shared housing, tiny oh. home villages, because nobody's addressing that market. Very cool. Oh, that is cool. Yeah, yeah, love that. Well needed too, especially yeah. in today's world. Absolutely needed. Yeah, seriously, because especially in this area, it's so expensive. You yeah. know, as a single person, no kids like myself, it's like, what the heck are you supposed to do? You know, if you yeah. want to buy something. So that's no, and, very cool. Uh, as many people point out, well, uh, anybody can afford a tiny home. Right. Yes. You can, like, you can build a tiny home on a $10,000 credit card credit limit, right? Yeah. If you do it yourself. Yeah. And you, and it's just like a, a bedroom with a tiny bath, maybe. But, <laughs> but the main thing is a tiny home, you have to, you're piggybacking on someone else's home. Because mm -hmm. PG&E doesn't give utility services to tiny homes. Oh, too right? small, huh? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. So it's all about sharing utilities. And so that's the smart home. And then, then there's the whole other thing, which is the huge elder population. Mm -hmm. The silver tsunami, as they call it, right? <laughs> Baby boomers all reaching retirement. So right. everyone needs, you either have to have a smartphone to call for help or a button to call for help. And since I was already making smart home, uh, boxes, I thought to add the call for help feature. And then I, so that's what I've been pursuing in the more, more recent years, but oh. the technology keeps changing. So I don't have a product yet. I'm very frustrated. Oh. <laughs> well, it's funny. I was talking to a, a friend of mine's mom lives up in Napa and, and her thing is there are so many uh, elderly people, widows, widowers, living alone in these big homes from whatever, 1,500 square foot to 3,000 square feet. And they're, and they're, they're lonely. So if there, were a, if there were a way to connect people, roommates, yeah. uh, senior roommates with each other, it, it, it helps pay the bills. It helps keep them from having to sell the house or get a reverse mortgage and eventually losing it. It helps with the loneliness factor. Uh, and that's a there needs to be something that could hopefully help that, you know, that problem. Absolutely. Um, it, Absolutely. I thought it was a great idea. And I and know social media. <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> well, that's the only place you're going to cap. Yeah. That's the only place you're probably going to see the, the seniors. <laughs> uh, well, this Daniel, this has just been so fun sharing. I mean, hearing your story like you really I know you've talked about writing a book and um you really should <laughs> oh, I, oh I I what I started to say is to ask how my life is going to answer the big question uh 2010 10 years ago um I took a big plunge and uh with two partners, we bought this 50 acre dormant resort in Lake County called Hoburgs. Oh. If you go to my LinkedIn page, it says I'm the general partner of Cobb Mountain Partners. Well, that was the company that bought the resort and I was the majority owner. Oh. 
and we had 75 cabins. We had 160 rooms, and we had a 40,000 square foot main lodge. Wow. It had, well, it was 120 years old. Oh, wow. And the Maharishis had bought it in 1974. So it was Maharishi University, where they did the Transcendental Meditation Retreats. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I thought I was finally going to earn money with that project. Uh, <laughs> we bought that whole thing for $2 million. Wow. It had 50 acres on it and 75 cabins, right? Wow. So we were going to do corporate retreats. But that's how I got into all the smart home stuff, because I was the engineer putting together the plan of the card key system and the electronic door locks and the power monitoring for all the cabins and the solar thermal uh, spa controller. So that's how I got into all the smart home stuff. Oh, but wow. the point is, our business plan didn't succeed in raising money. We needed to raise a few million dollars. Mm -hmm. I borrowed a million dollars against my lovely home here Oh, get this project going. We managed to sell it for cost in 2014. Mm -hmm. That was good. Better to sell for cost. Right. It was good. I mean, there was nothing wrong with the real estate. And it, had, right. it was real estate. And I had seen so many high-tech companies crater with nothing left. Right. Mm -hmm. In high-tech, you, you can spend your millions of dollars on a high-tech startup and left, left with nothing. Yeah, And the, that's why I got into the real estate. I was tired of high-tech startups that fail. I thought, I know how to build things. Let's do some real estate. Yeah. Anyway, what happened is we sold it for cost in 2014 with a deferred balloon payment. 2015, the wildfire of Lake County. Completely leveled it. All oh. 90 buildings. All 90 buildings turned to ash. And it was worse than burning to the ground because... FEMA came in and said, oh, so sorry for you. You had asbestos floor tiles in all these buildings under the carpet. So it was a million dollar toxic cleanup. Oh my gosh. So the million dollars that I was expecting to get paid back oh. never happened. Oh my and, uh, gosh. The new owners collected the fire insurance money, paid their immediate debts, and um, gave the property away to a nonprofit for low-income housing, and and they walked away. So yeah. I don't think they, I don't think they made money. I think they took a loss too, but they pushed Probably. most of the loss onto me. So I had a two million dollar loss, and I just managed to refinance my debt this summer. Oh my wow. God, that so, is crazy. The, the last, the last four years, the fire was in 2015. I didn't know what was going to happen after the fire. I mean, there was insurance money. Sure. But right. I was in danger of losing my home the oh last my three years. God. And oh. the only reason I pulled through is because Apple, I helped, what I did is I didn't sell my Apple stock. Oh. I borrowed against it. I borrowed against it. Mm -hmm. And miracle of miracles, Apple stock doubled last year. Yes. And that's how I was able to pay down my debt. Oh. Thank you, Steve Jones. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my anyway. goodness. Interesting. How Interesting so how that circle so I've had a. Yes, I have a big uh, chapter ending of my life now. I, yeah. I've got through this wild ride. Yeah. 
of losing all that money and I managed to hold on and uh, at least I'm not in serious debt now. I mean, my, my rental income pays for my mortgage payments. So even if the stock market collapses, I'll be okay. Oh, which I mean, so now I'm going to start writing my, I can finally start writing my memoir. Yes. Yeah, I think, I think you should because, I know. because I mean, for anybody who just didn't start this at the beginning or missed the beginning, when you have somebody who's the first guy there at Apple working in the garage, doing doing all putting all the hardware together on, on the first uh, what was it? The, what, what, they didn't call it a Mac then, did they? Or did they? Mac one twenty eight. Apple one. Apple, Apple one. one. Apple one. And then goes yeah. IPO in nineteen eighty. Doesn't get his stock options. Then goes through all these other things with the wife and the, and the kid and losing that, moving out of state and getting this big investment. And, and I had a feeling just because we've been plagued with fires, I had a feeling there was going to be a fire story when you said that. And I was just going, yeah. oh my God. And, and then for that guy, then to lose your balloon payment wow. and to have all this money owed. But then 40 years later, that stock that was yeah. <laughs> gave you, enabled you to yeah. keep your house, refinance, pay down some of the debt. I mean, it's kind of amazing really, because it's, it, this you can't make this stuff up. That's my irony. Yeah, that's that is like, my irony. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so let's finish I mean, that's, off. That's crazy. This is really funny because Daniel, you found that article that you sent me about irony. And what you just sent me yesterday was really funny. And I just want to, I would like to cap off with this because this is really funny. Because my irony is not irony. We say my irony, but my, my irony is a little bit different because we're looking at it from a spiritual perspective of, you know, the signs and synchronicities that happen in life and really what do you do about them? So we say it's synchronicity in motion. But you said, do you remember the, uh, do you have that or do you want me to read what you sent me? It's so funny about the vitamin. <laughs> oh, well. You said you went back to look at the what? article so that you could rewrite it from a myronic standpoint. <laughs> and it's really funny. <laughs> well, so, uh, I will pull I it. actually, <laughs> I was not enough of a literature student to really get educated about irony, parody, and satire and sarcasm, right? Mm -hmm. So I, re I realized that, I mean, they're very, con they're con it's a confusing topic area because there's so much overlap, but they're all distinct things. I went to I went to Wiktionary <laughs> to look up irony, and there's five definitions. Oh, okay? Five different definitions. And but and so then I was going through the references and I was looking up the references, and in the comments to the references, one guy's comment was, "Irony." when you choke on your vitamin pill, which uh, is a really nice way to put it. Right? Well, it was right. actually choking to death on your vitamin pill. And then this is what Daniel sent me. No, it's when you have a dream about past life when you choked on a vitamin pill, but then you work past it and make peace with your vitamin pills. <laughs> well, so that is how we're going to end but, our conversation. Yeah, and for anybody to have worked past a lot of the, the trials and tribulations that you've gone through, my hat is off to you. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, Daniel, where can people connect with you? You know, we... If you want them to, if, you, <laughs> but if they want you to, you know, if you want them to leave you alone, we can do that too. 
well, I am, I, I don't post on Facebook very often anymore, at least, but I'm on Facebook. In fact, I think there's multiple Daniel Kotke's on Facebook, so you have to find the right one. <laughs> uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Some guy. So here's the interesting thing about Facebook. When the Steve Jobs movies came out, the first one was in 2013. Mm -hmm. And because there's the India trip aspect, right? I don't know what it was, but I was deluged with literally many hundreds, more than 500 friend requests from India and Pakistan. I don't know what it is. Interesting. Yeah, and interesting. Now I, it's the, the wave has died down. I tend to, I mean, I'll talk to almost anyone, but I don't, you know, I don't, I don't friend people unless I actually have met them or think I've been in meet Yeah, right. absolutely. I don't, strangers. I don't want strangers on my Facebook. I know. I find that a little odd too. People, people friend me and I'm, I'm clicking on their name and like, and then sometimes they got like one friend. I'm like, okay, it looks like a scam job. Or yeah. Like yeah. That. Exactly. But it is kind of weird. I don't know why you want to be a friend with somebody who you have no idea who they are. Well, I would say anybody, yeah. it's an honor being friends with you, Daniel. And I'm so happy we reconnected after five years of just meeting randomly at an event and then meeting randomly again at another event. And then to hear this incredible story, yeah. but just you forty know. year journey of of these of these okay. dots. Wow. And here's okay. So here's the the last. So to bring us up to the present, uh -huh. the reason I've been stalling on starting to write a memoir, aside from my financial problems, I realized a couple years ago that. Well, because people were approaching me, I had I had I had been approached to do a graphic, a graphic novel of my story, or to do a screenplay, and there's somebody who wants to pitch it for Netflix, who's been after me to write a screen treatment. Oh. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, I suppose, but really, I have to write the memoir first, mm -hmm. in my mind, right? Because that's the truth. I mean, that's, I want to tell my story and then we can do whatever we want to make a movie. But right. And then in, th so then in thinking about it, like it, when you, like a memoir, it's like, oh, I can just write about what happened. But when you think about it cinematically, it has to have a storyline that has an arc and you have to have character development, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so then you'd say, well, what is the, th what is the storyline here? Well, it's, the, our trip to India was the two, in fact, my entire friendship with Steve of those early years, it was the two young men in search of enlightenment. That's what the theme was. Mm -hmm. The reason we were bonded as friends reading all these books, it was all books about spiritual progress. Enlightenment is one word of many that you could use, but it's all about consciousness. That's why I did, I did a talk show for seven years on themes of consciousness. Wow. And um, so then I thought, okay, well, I gathered all my, all the, I have the Steve Jobs Memorial bookshelf over in the next room where all those books are now all in one place. And I can write about all that. But then I thought, well, wait a minute. It's now 40 years later. I can't end the memoir without saying what I think now. Right. Like mm -hmm. we went to India, we looked for enlightenment. 
I would say we didn't find it in India, but now it is 40 years later. Yeah. And so then I thought, oh, damn it. Like, that's a big order. Like, what do I think now? What do I think now about the nature of consciousness and enlightenment? What's my definition of enlightenment for starters? That is a very tough question. So then I gave myself a whole nother year to ponder all these okay. topics. And that's what I've been doing. Now, oh, beautiful. So now I'm going to have to have a whole chapter of what I think enlightenment means now. Wow. Uh, well, we look forward. We look no. forward to seeing what that, what you, what that, you uncover. Yeah, for that's yourself. a tall, that's a tall task. But I'm glad you brought that up because I think uh, when you go from 40 years ago, being 40 years younger, to me, it seems like about every decade you, you just change the way your philosophy is, right, on life. So I would love to hear what it was 40 years ago, and, and I can't wait to read it uh, on what it is today. Yeah. So, well, anyway, Daniel, thank you so much for being part of uh, That's My Irony podcast. And we look forward to seeing, you know, what happens in the future for sure. Well, it was very intriguing for me. And again, not knowing the, uh, the guest is, is always a treat because the story is fresh it's it's incredible it's crazy it's it's sad there's some sad parts in there but uh i love it and i and i think all of us uh all of those listeners at the that's Pi that's my irony <laughs> podcast listeners will enjoy it as well thank you all and we'll see you all next time so i i wait i have a final I have, yeah I'm, we're going to sum, summarize a little bit yeah so ironies of ironies got multiple definitions Mm -hmm. And I was reading all this stuff yesterday. And then, um, you know, you have to delineate between, there's a lot of overlap between irony and sarcasm. Mm -hmm. Then there's parody. Anyway, in thinking about you and your use of the term irony, mm -hmm. irony, <laughs> here's what I, here's the thought that I wanted to share with you. I think you are crea you're creating a new meaning you're creating a new meaning for the word mm -hmm. and and that's you must know that that's why you coined it you cre created your own word mm -hmm. and the way i would put it is um okay so if you read the definitions of irony mm -hmm. what they all say is it's not coincidence it's more than coincidence yeah. Like we're swimming with coincidences. Like any minute now, I'm going to look and I'm going to see the number 222 two, two somewhere. <laughs> That's a coincidence. But um, I like the idea that uh, what you're tuned into, you particularly, is it's coincidence that in some way... Um, triggers or is related to the the connectivity of everything okay like if you study consciousness the progressive thing is to say that consciousness underlies material reality mm -hmm. uh lots of people are saying that nowadays mm -hmm. and the physicists the physicists are busy with their particle accelerators like they're busy doing that but meanwhile we know that whether you're observing or not affects the lowest level of reality right? That's quantum physics, the double slit experiment. Yeah. Anyway, so the, the, and the mystics tell us, of course, that everything's all connected. It's all one. 
Bell's theorem tells us that there's faster than light travel if particles were once connected. Anyway, so I think what we're talking about here with Myrony is it's a uh, conjunction of things that you notice that makes you think that the world is a strangely connected place. Is that good? You like yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. That's that wonderful. <laughs> Thank you so much, that Daniel. I absolutely love that. That's your theme. Yeah. yeah. That's your theme. Yeah. It new, is. It's a new definition for irony. It's my irony. My irony. Yeah. It's, it's, we, we like to say connect the dots, or I like to say follow the spiritual breadcrumbs because, you know, and it's when it shows up, what do you do about it? It's kind of like how we connected. Right. It was, I, I recognized how crazy it was that we're in this two, this very small place. And I'm like, hey, you want to get together and, you know, talk and see what what the heck the reason is we're we're meeting again and otherwise never would have heard this story yeah and you know right. never would have became friends and so that's what we're trying to encourage people is be in action when something when that little gut feeling's like ah that's kind of interesting what's the meaning behind yeah. it we're hoping covid helps slow people down yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of the byproducts of covid well there Oops. we go well this again has been absolutely amazing. So thank you. I know I you you don't do this. From what you told me, you don't do this very often in the sense of like sharing, you know, sharing this story as much. <laughs> Actually, this is my fourth Zoom in four days. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Well, then you've been weekend. Yeah. You got okay. You got busy. <laughs> I do a lot of interviews. Well, you do a lot of interviews, but do you do it on the spiritual side of? No, no, that's, not enough. That's, that's what I mean. That's why I was, we could do another one. Yeah, we definitely will. We will definitely <laughs> so, have you. Here's back. what I'll mention. Uh, I found, so Dean Radin, if you know who he is, Entangled Minds, I think was one of his books, but he is a psychic researcher. Okay. And I saw a great um, YouTube video that he did. He his, uh, He's studying... Uh, experiments that you can do to show that mental states can affect matter, the material world, which is what we call psychokinesis or ESP phenomena. And he's definitely on the science side. He may be a mystic, but he's a scientist first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And um, that, that's, I, that's what really would interest Steve and I both. That's why we were friends. That's the type uh, of topic, because we sure. were kind of junior scientists. That's kind of why we went to India, because we, we, we weren't interested in being devotional. We were interested in the science of consciousness. Right. Yeah. Blending this. And that's the thing. We, we don't need to have this separation between science and spirituality. If we right. put it together, we can see the real beauty of both. Exactly. So, yeah. So. Oh, awesome. and that's very much a theme of the times. Yes. Yeah. So that'll be our theme next time. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds wonderful. All right. Thanks, man. That was awesome. Thank you for joining us on That's Myrony podcast. We hope you enjoyed the Myronic stories shared today and possibly got you to connect to the Myronies in your own life. As you listen to our podcast, you'll start catching signs that are so subtle, but could possibly have the biggest impact on your life because that's Myrony. Alicia and I wouldn't have created this podcast if it weren't for us paying attention to our own personal Myronies and started connecting 
those spiritual breadcrumbs. So pay attention to that inner voice and watch Myronies appear in your life, just like the guest in our next episode. And please connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and our website at that'smyrony.com, where you can share your unbelievable Myronies. We would love for you to share this episode with your friends and family, and also comment, like, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. And remember, if something happens that makes you say, hmm, that's ironic. It's not ironic at all. It's Myronic. Now that's Myrony. See you all next time.